We plan to talk through the issues faced by startup founders and the people close to them. That overused phrase, work-life balance. It is an amazingly focusing time. This is what we do, you know, aside from our families, this is our whole work life. I'm also known as Dr. Wine. or her significant other would both get value from the episode. Okay. So Corey, it is great to chat with you again. You've been a guest on Zen Founder before, and we've had the opportunity to collaborate a little bit over the last couple of years, but it's been a while since we've talked because you've been living in a cave. I've been living in a cave. Not literally, but figuratively. cave. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like came for the last year for sure. Yeah. It's just been this season of like heads down doing some really big transition. And of course the transition I'm talking about is the sale of your company iThemes to Liquid Web. Yep. How's that going? Well, you know, I tell everybody so far so good. When we were talking, uh, when it came closer to, okay, could this actually happen? You know, I, I sought counsel from a lot of friends, including you, my dear friend, Sherry about how to how to handle change and transition and to think just think a little bit broader about what was going on and how to handle that and you know we were able to do enough i I hate to use the phrase due diligence but like preparation to make sure we're making the right decision for everybody involved and to be aligned and so it's gone as well as i think it could have possibly have gone and that's that's a lot of credit to the liquid web leadership team and then our team too, you know, responding to pretty big change. And being that you, Rob and I have gone through this sort of acquisition process, one of the things that really resonated from, from our experience is the challenge of making those decisions when you, for a variety of very good reasons, really need to keep some of those thoughts secret. Like you can't process the whole conversation with your team. And I know just knowing you and knowing a little bit about iThemes and how your crew works, it's a pretty collaborative space. So I guess I'm wondering what it was like for you to sort through that decision without being able to walk everyone through the process in real time. Yeah, what a great question. I think you just summarized like the life of a leader, at least the way I have experienced it, that there's things that go on or are happening that you can't you can't just share with everybody. It's just it just wouldn't be appropriate or right. You know, we've talked a lot about being an entrepreneur is often like a an island and a lonely island at that. And I think leadership too, where it just wouldn't be appropriate to tell people every single nuanced detail. Not because you want to be dishonest at all. I never want to be dishonest, but that you're trying to do the right by everybody involved. And so this experience was for sure very interesting in that regard, that we would be selling the business to another company that they're familiar with because we've been partners with them for about two years before the acquisition. But I think for me, knowing that in my heart, we were making the right decision for everybody involved. Not to say that was going to be the best for everybody, but the right decision. Like overall, generally speaking, we felt like this was just the right move with the right company for the future, for everyone, for our customers, our team and our product. And I feel very, very good about that. Knowing that, you know, their benefits would increase, that we talked through some things with the transition that 
would benefit our team. You know, for instance, the tenure of our team, longtime team members here being reflected in the new thing. And so I think that helped me realize that it wouldn't be good. You know, there were a couple of people that knew very soon that it was more honestly a had to know issue, but we just knew that like, it wouldn't be done until it was done. Like until the signatures were on the paper, I knew enough that don't count all the eggs in the basket until the, the ink is actually dry by all parties, which is another really harrowing experience to go like, I'd wake up one day and go, oh, I think it's going to happen. And the next day I'd go, oh, no. Or maybe the next 15 minutes after that, I'd go, it's not going to happen. And I don't think that would have been healthy or good for anyone involved except the people that just had to know. And, you know, and reflecting on some of those team members is like, it's terribly distracting. If you can imagine, you know, you don't have a lot of control in the situation, especially the team members that knew. That can be tough and distracting, and I didn't want other people to ride the roller coaster that I was having to ride, and Matt and, and my partners. Yeah, it's, I mean, in your in your role as the leader at that point, your job is to absorb those highs and lows. Your job is to sort of go through that emotional roller coaster really on behalf of everyone else so that they can keep getting their work done so that they aren't also dysregulated by the challenges that you're facing. And I think that's a... I mean, it's such a mark of leadership to be able to sort of be the one who's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take the arrows right now. As you transitioned from like, maybe this will happen. Maybe it won't happen. Maybe this will happen. Maybe this won't happen into this phase of like, okay, we're doing this. What were the leadership challenges that came along with helping your team make such a huge transition? Yeah. So, you know, we've been through enough crisis moments change in the past, not like the acquisition, of course, but I mean, in the realm of like big change that had fear, worry, and uncertainty. So we had a little experience with it, I guess. So going into was just trying to paint the future of what this would look like. None of us like change. I mean, I don't even like change, even though I I bet my team probably thinks I like just thrive on change. But I don't. I don't. I mean, I think speaking for myself, but also maybe generically with the human population, it's like no one wants change. We want everything to be comfortable and secure, or at least to feel that way, that our that our bubble not be popped. And so I, you know, I realized it with myself and I had a longer time to come to grips with everything and realizing the team would be hearing this on day, you know, that day. They heard it a little bit earlier before the actual public announcement and all that. But you know, that they would need some time to process that. But I kept trying to say, here's the vision of what, why we did this, what this looks like over and over as best we could. And then be really sensitive to know, like, this is a big upheaval. You know, in one sense, you think, okay, well, it's just a different name on the check and I'm going to be here and Matt's going to be here and the team's going to be here. We've got reasonable assurance, like this thing is going to keep going the way we've we've had it. But like that little, oh, now is a mind shift change. And so to be sensitive to that and just to make sure we were touching base for the team and saying, you know, if you have worries and fears, please tell me. Because in the absence of facts or truth or just sharing what's going on context, our minds, I think, will just make things up. And so we try to be real sensitive to that, especially for like the first hundred days or so, knowing like they're going to have, everyone's going to have to deal with this in their own way. And so just being sensitive to that. And then again, I, I still do it to this day. It's painting the future of what we're, what we're doing together and staying positive through that, a positive future. Yeah. What, what are some of the sort of key 
strategies in the Corey Miller playbook as you think about how to communicate hard things to your team? Like, what are you really cognizant of just making sure you're including in that communication, whether it's we've had a security breach or, hey, guess what, kids, we've been acquired. Like, how do you really make sure you're crafting your message in a way? And I, I, I like asking you this question in particular because I, I know you have such a long history in advocating for mental health among entrepreneurs. I know that's just on your radar as a human being. And I know you're anticipating the anxiety and the ups and downs that, that many people will face in these times of transition. So how do you sort of speak to that or make sure that you as a leader are leading from a place of, of sensitivity to the challenges that people will face and then wanting to make sure you're communicating really well? Yeah, you know, I think that deep down that word care, like, you know, I cared for the team. I care. I know their families. I know I've met, I think, all almost all of their kids now. And so deep down, coming from that place of actually caring, and, and we tried hard through the entire process before the papers were actually signed to, to make sure we were looking out for the team because I'm very connected to them. But I think just being open and honest and just saying, here is present reality, here is future reality, and here's why we did this. Just just being open to that. And then being open to hard questions, I guess. But I guess I had to reflect on my own experience and go, okay, if I felt this this way through this process and it took me a while to kind of understand this change is happening, then it's going to probably happen to to these people. And so coming from the place of caring, just knowing like, you're going to have questions. And guys, I'm standing right here in this place and I'm going with you in this this next phase. And then just trying to be positive. You know, you, you mentioned like our security breach. So that was about five years ago. I'm not saying our team did this, but you know, when something like that happens and you go, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, that the tendency, the sky's falling, to be the one person that goes, it's not falling. Like to be the one steady hand, which again, back to the life of a leader or entrepreneur is having to use the word earlier, absorb to go. I can't at this moment be the sky is falling with other people. I need to be the person that says, guys, it's going to be okay. I think that one little phrase, everything's going to be okay. And making sure it it resonates deep and it comes deep within me. So it's not going to come out open and honest and personable and genuine to who I am. But deep down, just, you know, I think it's that reaction. I think the change transitions that we've had over 10 years, if the tendency was sky's falling, sky's falling, or fear, worry, certainty, I have to be the one person to go, it's going to be okay. We need to put one step in front of the other and just get through it. And I think that's been probably the way I just happened to respond and lead is, I'll tell you, that's not the way I act in all of my life. But in the business situations happen where I get through some of these things, I can say, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> one step in front of the other. I can be the calm one. In other areas, I'm like, the sky is literally on my face. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to know you're not superhuman, yes. that you have powers too. <laughs> Which does sort of bring up this question, like, where do you draw from the the depths of this for your own self. Because, I mean, your identity is shifting. You are in the middle of a transition that really deeply affects both how you see yourself, what your job is, who you answer to, like the details of your individual life change significantly with this kind of transition. So how are you 
going through that, like holding that process and then also sort of absorbing the ups and downs for everybody else. Like where's the little corner where there's space for Corey's inner meltdown. Transition. <laughs> I was going to say drama. Where do you get to freak out? <laughs> yeah. You know, so because this, you mentioned all the key things and of course you've seen it with Rob. And so I had plenty of examples to draw from and go, okay, there will be an identity I don't know, crisis or something. I mean, it's changing. You know, I called myself an entrepreneur, founder of iThemes for 10 years. And now I am, current title is general manager of iThemes. And so I I thought, oh no, I'm good with that. I know who I am and all that kind of stuff. Well, no, no. I mean, so much has been attached to that. I had built up that identity. And so I think examples of others, I had several friends that had gone through that shift and seen some of those those transitions, seeing some of that like real struggle of this was me, this business that I created, this craft of work. And um, so I think those examples were really helpful because I go, okay, wait, hold on. I saw that here. Yeah. I, there, there's going to be an identity crisis. You know, you and I've talked a lot and you mentioned this earlier and why I love anything you do. I love to support is because I believe in the, having a therapist and so licensed professional mental health counselor. And so I saw his counsel or, you know, book sessions with him numerous times during that. Last year, I added something else to the repertoire of how do I keep everything together, which by the way, there happens to be a book title for that. So, you, can, you know, a handy guide written by some, some awesome people. But the other thing I added to the toolbox was exercise. You know, I had never really done exercise formally and last year started kind of a, I call it re-walking, run, walk, because I can't just walk or run for 20 solid minutes or 20 miles or whatever else. And so a couple times during that, you know, my wife, Lindsay would go, is it, is it time for a run today? Are you going to get your shoes and go? And I'm like, yep, I need to, I need to put my shoes in there. And I would always feel better. So I kind of consider some of those things my little hacks uh, as far as like the running thing, but that was a new tool I, I had. And then I think the value of time to process. Even earlier this year, I went on a little, I don't know, one day sabbatical to a state park in Oklahoma here where I'm, where I live and just getting away to myself and allowing myself to, I don't know, process it. You know, we were kind of talking earlier, the things that happens are live, being able to go like these crazy things happening. And then there's this moment where I'm just going to like be here in this moment, I think were your words. And I think that was my time. One of the many times that I had where I was, I don't know, just took some time away and just go, okay, somehow I don't like it. It's uncomfortable, but I need to have some time to process everything that's going on. And, you know, the, I guess the cliche is time heals wounds and things like that. I think over time, being more comfortable, having a very good, strong support network starts with my wife, um, my entrepreneurial friends, having a counselor on standby. That I think just knowing that about myself and building some of these things into it has helped along the way. You're leading from a place where you feel resourced like that. Yeah. That inner part of you does feel like, okay. I am also going to be okay. Like you can own that for your own self before you can say it to others in a convincing way. Yeah. Sometimes looking in the mirror doesn't feel like totally confident. Hey, you're going to be okay, Corey. (laughs) I could do that better in, I think, in other roles. But 
absolutely you know and you know what you know i've been through other things and there's probably going to be harder things in the future and this is that muscle that's being built called resilience even though sometimes i'm like man i'm scoring like a d on these things uh, <laughs> i hope i'm learning something through it growth mindset right yes growth mindset <laughs> your d is gonna get into a b at some point <laughs> hopefully it needs to be a curve <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is a tricky thing about being an entrepreneur, right? Like there is no curve. There is no one else who's doing the thing that you're doing in the way that you're doing it. I mean, there's a handful of people that are entrepreneurs and there's a handful of people that go through the process of selling a company. There's a handful of people that go through the process of selling a company and then stay working in that company under other folks. Now, I mean, you're, you're beginning to self-select to a more and more unique situation in which there's no curve for you. Like it just is <laughs> yeah trying to continually build that muscle of going like i can get through this we were laughing up before the show started sherry about some of the recent events in our lives and you know it's just the little things i kind of have to laugh at every now and then when you're going through it but i think there was this realization in the last week or so and not really related to the business but some personal things happening and just going like somehow i felt okay through some of the experiences and thought, you know, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have, but coming through some of these experiences built some experience. I don't know. Um, again, that resilience muscle maybe or something. And there's still some, this little voice inside me that says, feel these things that you're feeling right now. Don't just waft them away, push, ignore, dismiss, like feel those up until the point it starts to get like bad, like sour in the, the feelings. And then something that someone just said, stay positive, stay optimistic. And I hate this advice. I read it over and over and over, but in the, I hate it, by the way, when I say it, I, I will hate it saying it, but is in the middle of you're rolling your eyes on the inside right now. I really am. Like, but when the stuff is crappy and feels bad to be the antidote being gratefulness and thankfulness. And I've tried to practice that over the last couple of months. And again, I hate saying it. <laughs> Because, you know, when you're in the middle of it, I don't want to, I don't want to go, man, I got to shift gears to thankfulness. But I think I heard something recently. It says like, when you're thankful, you're not able to give space to the other, the bad, the negative. That's been a really helpful thing as much as I like grip my teeth and go, okay, I've got to shift gears. I just really want to wallow in my sorrow and everything is bad. And then, and then go, but I'm thankful I have two children that love me and are healthy and happy and wife that supports me and loves me despite knowing every word I have and that I have a gig and I have people around me and uh, it kind of forces some of those things out. Even as I hate saying like, it's something new to my toolbox, I guess. Right. It's like something that like our moms maybe said to us, like just collectively the moms of the world saying like, remember to say thank you, Corey. You know, it's like, remember to say thank you about the existential crisis in your life and the upheaval and, you know, just all of the things. It's like, I actually don't feel like I want to say thank you about this, mom. But, but yeah, here we are with that much deeper compulsion, of course, to realize that as long as we're breathing, like there's, there's something to be grateful about. As long as our bodies are just functioning, there's something to be grateful about. Like I, I've read a couple of times, I woke up this morning. I'm thankful, you know, and, and it's a perspective change that I'm not always happy with, but like going, uh, gosh, at the minimum, you woke up with breath in your lungs and blood flowing through your body and had the opportunity to see the sun 
you know, and, and those kind of things, I think are very resetting, even though I'm still in the wallow in it default mode to have that little tool to go. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I can build from something and tomorrow will be good. And I, I have control of some things in what tomorrow looks like. My attitude, again, gratefulness, how I respond to things. Those simple things, I think they're good reminders to me, specifically through change and crisis and pain and all that. And one of the things that you and I have talked about quite a bit in the past is these kind of phases of adult development and the things that we're working on in, dare I say, the latter half of our lives, as opposed to what we were working on in our 20s. I, I recently joined you in the Over 40 Club. So I was going to say, I forgot to tell you, happy birthday. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still dying my gray hairs. <laughs> Plans keep doing that. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, and I guess I'm wondering, so you've recently gone through this transition, sold the company, like have this new phase of your working life. How are you feeling about that sort of second act? I mean, I hope you live a very long time, Corey, but we're also just statistically looking at less and less time. What, what's important to you at this phase now that you have really checked off some of the big things from your list, like start a company, grow it, sell it, have kids get married, you know, like a lot of those things are checked off. So what, what are you, what are you about now? You know, I went through that low period of time of really wrestling with this halftime midlife. I'm 42 now, but I would say for the last two to three years, it was it was pretty tough wrestling with that going, yeah, all the boxes got checked off and probably have at least 40 or so years of health and uh, struggling with going, what do I do with that 40? I, I will say I'm so much more optimistic about it and energized by it. I think I had to go through some of the low times and struggle to grow and understand what that kind of life development phase meant. You know, you and I have talked about the word generality, you know, giving back, investing in the next generation. That word still resonates with me. I think not to say I was skewed to just profit only in my first 40, but it has changed. It's I always carried around with this deep sense of purpose and wanting to have purpose in my life. And then, you know, money was great. Awesome. You know, I think it has, has really flipped. I look purpose first um, and, and really hope <laughs> profit comes along with that. But um, the lens has changed a little bit and I go, I think, what would I, you know, the question was, what am I going to do with the next 40 to how can I make the most of it? And it really has that lens to first filter everything through the future through purpose has been very transformational for me. And then again, I feel like I've been a very purpose driven person most of my life, but I don't know something has kind of switched. And I think it's that lens of how I view life, wanting to go impact influence significance before all the other things. I mean, because I hit cruising altitude, you know, I've got the house and two cars and two kiddos and, you know, a good job and all that kind of stuff. But it really has gone, okay, what am I passionate about? Re-exploring some of those things. And that's not, that's not been an easy process. It's been extremely difficult, painful. Cause I, again, I just, you know, I don't like suffering <laughs> and it's a time of suffering for me. So I am in a very good place. It has been a long road to get there, but I'm in a good place. Is the suffering the unknown? 
like the suffering in that question of what am I passionate about? Is that the, that like split second of like emptiness of like, oh crap, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question exactly. Absolutely. It's the unknown. It's, it's the feeling of you've learned so much. You know, I remember when my kids, for instance, started walking and they would fall and get back up. And that kind of clicks for me with second half kind of stuff is I don't want to fall. It hurts. Learning is messy and uncomfortable and growth is learning messy and uncomfortable. And it, that kind of reboot to go, okay, now what does second half look like? Did feel like, uh, you know, trying to walk again, very much not knowing where to go. Like you said, the unknown, the uncertainty, but I just looked at my kids and go, they kept getting back up and trying to walk and fell and hurt themselves. But despite, after they stopped crying, trying to push themselves back up and walk again. And I was like, man, that feels like me, this ugly little ostrich trying to get my long legs underneath me. And so I think that that was a part of the struggle. I will say the struggle made was the flavoring to make it so much more rich to, I had to struggle. I had to go through, suffer, and go through some of those things to learn and to grow, but to also really value life and all that. I don't know if I'm getting too, like, way up, but the, the fact that I had to kind of remind myself, like, I'm having to start over again and learn some new things, and that's going to be uncomfortable and messy. My son comes home, and he's reading or, you know, trying to learn his sight words or whatever he's doing and he's struggling with that but like I go wow man I feel kind of like that in so many parts of my life and to kind of embrace that and go okay it's 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 change right and I don't like it I like to feel secure I like to feel like I, I know everything I have all the answers and when I don't it sucks <laughs> it's not the life you've chosen though no I mean there, there are other forms of life that are much less susceptible to these huge shifts and changes and suffering. Although, of course, nobody is exempt. But you chose this entrepreneurial life. You chose a life that, by its very nature, is a life of building and shaping and pivoting and shifting and selling and, you know, like starting again. That's what it means to be an entrepreneur, to be a builder, a maker. And I think the challenge of navigating that the weight of that sort of emotional and existential content with grace and with confidence and in a way that you can bring others along with that courage to say like, guys, it's going to be okay. And the courage within yourself to realize like, I'm going to be okay, regardless of the unknown. Absolutely. I think there's probably one more facet too, is I probably thought it would be a lot easier than it was. And, and it's something in the last probably couple of weeks I've had to like confirm myself about and go, this is not going to be easy. I, I expect it's going to be easy. It's going to lead to some entitlement for myself and, and my attitude and approach. Like it's not going to be easy. I could maybe think some things in the past 10 years with the business have been easy and go, actually, if my mind could actually really process what happened back then, it wasn't very easy and it's going to be difficult again and I got to come to grips with that because like if it was easy I definitely wouldn't savor it and be thankful and appreciate it and, and also learn and grow some really deep and profound things through the process and be better for it so I've had to confirm myself about the easy part too by the way yeah for sure well yeah it reminds me of like marriage or 
child rearing or like, again, all of those really important things, they sound sort of lovely on paper, but then we get in the middle of them and we're like, this is hard. (laughs) And how is it that so many people do this? How is it that so many people like have children and get married? How does that work? Cause it's so hard. So I think reaffirming for yourself that is, is, is important. Like the things that you have done, the things that your team has done, the things that I think has done, those are really hard things. And the suffering is because it's really work and it's really unknown. I've told a couple of people recently, I said, there was, you know, being honest with myself and others, I said, there were times I put it on automatic pilot. I got to cruising altitude and felt good and thought, I'll just kind of enjoy this for a little bit. And um, now I, I can't. Uh, I'm off automatic pilot. You know, I want to do more with my life. I want to be more. I want to grow and have that impact and influence and give back and things like that. But it, I can't just stick it on automatic pilot again. I think there's times of rest and seasons of recharge and things like that. But to just say like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this on automatic pilot for a while. It's snapping out of that, you know, when things are good and you're at the height and it feels good. Okay, I can I can enjoy some of the fruits of my labor. And I probably allowed myself to stick in that zone a little bit too long. And now I'm being forced out of it. Not so long. <laughs> not, not anymore. <laughs> hmm. Well, Corey, it is always a treat to talk with you and just hear about the the transitions that you have been through and the way that you've led your team through some tough times and also walked yourself through some big transitions and changes. And I think there's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned from your story and your experience and how articulate you are about these like sort of bigger, deeper challenges of what it means to be a leader, especially in times of unknown and, and transition. So thanks for chatting with me. And I know people can probably find you easily online, but real quick, where's the best place for people to, to sort of keep up with your story if they're curious? Yeah, the best place would be uh, my website, personal website, coreymiller.com. And um, I need to blog more regularly than once, you know, every quarter. But yeah, that's that's the home base to, to find me and what I'm doing. And incidentally also has some of my favorite like book recommendation lists because you read voraciously and love to like recommend good books. In fact, I think I actually have like a pile of Corey books that you're like, you need to read this book. And I'm like, absolutely. And it's it's on my bookshelf. I'll get to it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, if you are a leader, a business owner, an entrepreneur, or just a thinker or a parent or, you know, any category of human, Corey's probably got a book recommendation for you. So, Definitely. Which you usually post on your on your website, which is fantastic. Yep. All right. Thanks so much, Corey. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Zen Founder. Our theme song is A New Beginning by bensound.com, used under Creative Commons.